In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. your week with us we're talking about the international free agent early signing period we're going to dive all the way into the x's and o's and the data points you have on these 16 and 17 year olds <laughs> that uh just signed it, does that sound good arm laden or what no nah, i'm i'm good <laughs> no so i'm glad you led me right into that i've been getting a lot of questions like hey arm what are your thoughts on this guy what are, what are your thoughts on that guy um i don't know because <laughs> that video that you tagged me in is exactly the amount that I've seen of him, just like you. So, you know, the one thing that I'll, I'll never do is I would say pretend that I saw something that I didn't or or give you some half-baked scouting report. And like, yes, I could go do top 10 international free agents and I will be just basing it off of three swings on each guy. Maybe some look better than the others. And and yeah, I, I could I could put a little bit into it, but it would just be it would be half baked. So thank you for teeing me up on that. I am not going to rank these guys until they've played a professional game. I have video and access and 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 data and more perspectives and hopefully even seen some of them. But yeah, uh, I I will share my thoughts once I get to see them. I will be on the backfields a lot this year. Hopefully I will, but I can't, I can't say, oh, he's this or that. And I think anyone no. that does do that. That isn't Ben Badler, who's you know right. Baseball America, who's on the beat, or some pipeline folks who are on the beat. Anyone out there that's ranking these guys or talking about these guys, like 
you ask yourself, where are they getting that information from and how do they get to that hypothesis? Like, I, I can't, I can't do that. So I think you're missing a pristine opportunity to just reply to every tweet when somebody asks you about a 16 year old who you have zero data points on by just saying, yeah, looks super projectable, probably more room to fill out too. Just yeah. copy and paste every time. Like definitely looks like there's some room to fill out, but super projectable. Yeah. Raw, raw, projectable, <laughs> good, impressive bat speed. You know, if if he can improve the approach a little bit, how would you know? I don't, I've never right. seen him taking that bat because he's sixteen. Yeah, I've only seen the open side soft toss footage. Um, and you know, like you can see some swings, and you're like, "Ooh, that's nice." That's but cool, at the same yeah. time, like that doesn't always translate, right? Like, right. There's things that like it'll break down in games mechanically. So you know, I, I need at least I always say I need at least a hundred at bats. Not not from a data perspective, from watching, like not even in person video like just watching 100 at bats i pretty much won't rank a prospect without at least 100 at bats that i'm able to watch so um, i'm excited to learn more about these guys but you did the research that really matters i did the hard-hitting journalism i power ranked my favorite names in the early international free agent signing period so it has nothing to do with their baseball abilities we're going to get to those rankings very fun ones including the viral sensation iverson allen You'll be shocked where he is on the rankings. Uh, we're also going to talk about Yariel Rodriguez signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. Four years, $32 million. The Astros are in on a certain big ticket free agent. And we're going to do the final three GM episodes. It's going to be White Sox, Cubs, and the Atlanta Braves. Spoiler alert, the Braves might not have anything to do. Um, but we'll see if we can make them a little bit better. As always, show is brought to you by... The king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. You guys are heading down to Vejas for the uh, the big game. You're not allowed to say the the actual name of the big game, huh? I saw Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady not saying the actual name. Oh, are you can you not? Is it is that a thing? <laughs> I think they have a copyright on uh on s asterisk asterisk uh er bowl. Interesting. Yeah. Um. No, I'm excited to get. I didn't know that. I'm excited to get out there. I've never been to, to Vegas before, so very appreciative of uh, Ben MGM for for setting us up out there. Peter will be crushing it from a football perspective, giving you all the bets, all the yeah. all the props. I will blindly tail and uh, get my first taste of Las Vegas. I always said I was going to go with my dad. You know that was always our plan when uh, for my 21st birthday. So you know, after he passed when I was 19, I just couldn't get myself to go there. So yeah. it feels right to to be able to do it on a on a cool opportunity off of. You know, something that, you know, a connection that we've built from the company and uh, something that we wouldn't be doing if it weren't for for my dad anyway. So uh, I'm excited to get out there and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty fun. Hopefully I just picked the right side. Yeah, I, I have been once. Um, I was not of age to gamble. You also know I am an incredibly low risk human being, so I am averse to sitting down at the tables anyways. Um, I love my little quarter slots. So those are hilarious. Having said that. I loved Vegas because the food scene is amazing. The entertainment scene is amazing. If you see like an EDM artist that you like, or even just like another genre of musical artist that you like, Wu-Tang Clan has got a residency there. There you go. Wu-Tang Clan will have a residency there. I'm going to be pumped for that. Perfect. So go do that. Um, I went to the NBA Summer League, which was just awesome. Like, obviously, you're not there for the Summer League. But uh, go check out the lobby of the Bellagio. They've got Dale Chihuly stained glass that's just beautiful. So go take a photo, send it to your girlfriend, and get on your merry way. I'm always looking for stained glass. That's that's what I travel for. Also, Me too. Where, where, where the A's are going to play. We get to see the, the future home of the A's, potentially. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where they're going to stick that stadium yet, but I'm interested to look into that, too. The plot of land. Uh, let's start with the rumor. 
and it has been properly sourced by the duo of Ken Rosenthal and Chandler Rome at The Athletic. The Astros are making a push for Josh Hader, which you called earlier this offseason. You said that the Astros were your predicted landing spot for Hader. He has never not been an all-star, Josh Hader. And uh-huh. he enters the market looking for a deal that is either equal to or larger than Edwin Diaz's deal, which means he's looking to sign a nine-figure deal. The Astros are pushing really close to the competitive balance tax. Um, This would get them really, really close, maybe even over. I, I ask you, like, hey, how's the fit for Josh Hader on one of the best teams in baseball? It's obviously really good. But I ask you, What's the ripple effect for Orion Presley or Brian Abreu? Does one of those guys in turn become somewhat available if they sign Hater? Yeah, you know, I, I wonder because honestly, when I and Blind Squirrel finds a nut eventually, right? Like right. <laughs> it came to the free agent predictions. Um, but the reason why I mocked Hater there was because you know, I I didn't think it really made sense for them to to go get a, a starter because yeah, who are you gonna go out there and get that's gonna be much better than uh, you know, what you probably already have. I think Arkiti's a fine five, and you're gonna spend a lot of money for somebody that's slightly better. Well, I mean, and so... yeah, and Luis Garcia is back by the all star, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly, exactly. And you know what I think also is contributing to this? Kendall Graveman goes down, right? And, yeah. and that that's the unfortunate thing. I had shoulder surgery. So with Graveman going down, that was a guy that they went out and acquired. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they had insurance or anything on the contract, if they get some money back or how that works. But um, yeah, I think that that part maybe made them a little bit more eager to to, to go spend. My, my thing is, he just seems like a perfect fit, right? If the rotation... You're you're gonna have to just count on those guys naturally getting better in terms of Framber bouncing back, even though he still had a three four five, and more specifically Christian Javier and Hunter Brown, who combined for almost a five ERA last year. Naturally, those guys should be better. Again, Arkiti, if he's you know high force, that's great. Yep. Build a super pen, and if you have Presley, Abreu, and Hater, and then you have hopefully Montero bouncing back, like that is disgusting. Now you're shortening starts, so you don't need six and seven every single time from Franber. Javier's better at five and dive, you know, and, and so being able to be that five and dive guy would be great. Urquidy is, is is better in a different way as, as a five and dive guy. Monetarily is the question, right? Because the reason why we didn't mock this, Jack, was, you know, when we did the playing GM for the Astros was we didn't we didn't imagine that they would go this high no. financially because they're already pretty much at the highest that they've been for any, you know, years really payroll. And and they're going to need to start paying guys too. They're going to need to pay Kyle Tucker if they choose to pay Framber Valdez. They're going to need to do that. They'll extend Jose Altuve. They got to make a big decision on Bregman. There are so many layers to this. So I think that it's kind of telling on what the decision with with Bregman's going to be. Yeah. Um. And you know, and I think the reason why he's been floated in in trade talks isn't because the Astros want to trade him. I think it's because everybody knows that the Astros aren't keeping him. So then you just kind of put two and two together. I just think they're going to ride it out like we talked about in the GM episode and try to win a World Series this year. But you have Bregman coming off the book, so that's, what, $30 million. Yep. And then you have one more year of Abreu after this one. So, you know, you assume he can he can come off the books in the next two years. Jose Abreu, not Brian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jose Abreu. I should have clarified that. Thank you. And yeah. then, you know, I, I don't know what Altuve's contract situation is in terms of how if it goes up or down, but it, that alone is a lot of money cleared up. If you backload it, you're focused on really just retaining Kyle Tucker. Like, I, I think you can you can make that work. Um, they're also going to clear money with Verlander after this year. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of ways where they're going to clear a lot of money. And ultimately, they could probably backload this deal. 
and and you know not not feel it much and maybe give even some extra years to to hater i agree altuve i'm really curious how he does this because he does feel like the kind of guy that would just sign to make sure that he's paid through retirement um and lighten up the aav load on the astros like he he'll be entering his age 35 season in 2025 this is his last year of control it's at 26 million dollars he's made 26 mil for the last one two three four five years um so entering his age 35 season where he's on the open market is that guy going to seek the three-year $75 million deal where he's making 25 per, or is he going to seek the six-year $100 million deal where he's cutting them a little bit of a break and he's making yeah. 19 a year? I think he does that for the organization that has given him everything in his career. Yeah, I'm with you. And if he does that, then they're in business because I, now I have it in front of me. Verlander, you know, I know they have money kicked in, but you know that's... I don't know what the exact total is. He's owed $43 million, however, you know, however much that the Astros are paying that, whatever. It, they're right. paying a lot. Uh, $30 million for Bregman. You, you can just, for round numbers, call that $50. Uh, again, I don't have the exact number in front of me, so if you're able to pull up you know, how much the Mets are paying for this year, that would be interesting. There is a 2025 vesting option, so it depends on some things here. Uh, but you, you wonder if Verlander is going to come back. Um, you only owe Jordan 15 in 2025. Uh, you, you still have those other guys that you want to extend in arbitration and and Kyle Tucker. Um, you know, so you could just wait it out through arbitration or you could leverage that and go long-term lower AAV too. So I feel like they see a situation here where Altuve is the only guy that they're probably hell-bent on, on bringing back. I'd imagine that guy can't play anywhere else. I think it would be crazy. But you clear up the 30 with Bregman. However much of, of Verlander's contract, assuming that the option doesn't vest, if it does, then, you know, that's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, and then, you know, after 2025, you got 11 and a half million from Rafael Montero coming off the books. You have 19 and a half from Jose Abreu coming off the books. After this year, you have 14 million from Ryan Presley coming off the books. So you know, I think they can justify it if they structure it uniquely. And I assume that's probably what they're going to do, because in Hayter's case, I think he just wants that. This probably could be his last contract, right? Like, yeah. I think he probably is fine with it. a long term deal and, you know, a little bit lower AAV backload it. And that helps the Astros now. So, Verlander, I don't think the Astros are going to lose sleep on Verlander, even if it does vest. The Mets are covering 35 of the $86 million. Ooh. So it's two years, 51. They're pretty much going to owe him effectively for the Astros. It's two years, 51 million. So they're pretty much going to owe him $25.5 million this year. If it vests, it turns into a $35 million option. And the Mets are going to cover 17 and a half of that. So it would be a 17 and a half yeah. million dollar vesting option. You're not losing a wink of sleep over that. So no. the Astros, it, it seems like they are in a better spot than many want to give them credit for. And these decisions, while it's going to hurt to lose Bregman, I don't think they're going to hurt that bad. And unfortunately, second half of last year, it, it made it seem more and more like they may just let Fromber expire and mm -hmm. test the open market and probably see greener pastures. But they may like what they have coming down the pipe, and they may like the young talent that they have for more control. They extended Javier. Brown's got five more years of control. Um, they can always go out and sign. They don't have to pay for a catcher. You know, Yiner Diaz is under control for a long Six years. Time. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that that's going to be cheap for them. 
Uh, you know, McCormick is just entering ARB one. Uh, they have a lot of guys that I think will be, you know, relatively cheap because of the injuries and stuff, you know, even a Luis Garcia, but based on service time, it's ARB one this year as well. Like they, they yeah. definitely are in a spot where it's going to be cheap for a while for some of their key players. And you know, I think that's, that's really important for them. You floated the idea of super pen with Hater getting the ninth, working backwards, Presley getting the eighth, Abreu getting the seventh, or Presley getting the seventh, Abreu getting the eighth. I'm going to try and break that up a little bit later on in the episode, so stay tuned. Before we get to the uh, IFA name rankings, Toronto and Yariel Rodriguez, four years, $32 million. Go read Arms right up on that. It is linked in the episode description. Here is the 411 on Yariel Rodriguez. 26-year-old from Cuba defected, made his way to Japan in 2020, played three years with the Chunichi Dragons, 2020, 21, 22. Ahead of the 2023 season, he started for Cuba and was really solid. 7 to 30, punched out 10. He was a long man in Japan in 2021, had an ERA under three. In 22, he was a reliever in NPB. And he was disgusting. A 115 ERA in 54 and two-thirds innings, a whip under one. Opponents hit a buck 63 against him. After he threw for Cuba, they get bounced in the semifinals against the US in Miami. He does not go back to Japan, even though he was under contract. He stayed in the United States. He was like, I'm just going to sign with a major league baseball team. And Chunichi, understandably so, said, Hell no, you aren't. You're our player. You're under contract. He stayed in the US, he trained. They granted his release after the season. They said he was still a Chunichi player, so he could not sign anywhere until the NPB season ended. Once it ended, he was eligible to be signed by a Major League Baseball team. He was training in the DR. Here you go. You've got Toronto paying for him. And now he's got to go from Cuba to Japan to Miami to the Dominican Republic where he was traded or where he was training and then up to Canada. So this guy is getting a bunch of stamps on the passport, which is uh, and, unique. And that was part of the, you know, the, the passport or w- whatever the, the, there was some sort of challenge with, uh, I think being able to get to Toronto and, and, you know, I guess just with all the different places he's been, they had, they had to iron that out. They were right. able to, what's interesting is Chinichi doesn't get any, uh, any kickbacks here. They don't get, because they released him, they didn't post yes. him. Yep. So he won that standoff. I, I yeah. I mean, and, and they got to be pissed seeing how much oh. he signed for. You know, what was it three years, forty-two? Four for thirty-two. Oh, four for thirty-two. Sorry, four for thirty-two. Like they would have got a nice little chunk of change there. That would have helped them get a really good player. So you know that that part of it's interesting. But I, I love the get for the Blue Jays because they are in a weird spot with their pitching staff where. I think you kind of need this this hybrid guy that can fill several different needs depending on how your staff is looking. Is Alec Manoa going to get an opportunity? Uh, maybe, maybe not. How's the rest of that rotation going to look? I think you could easily say that they may, may need a guy in there at some point. Um, given that Jordan Hicks is getting a look as a starter, I'd imagine it wouldn't be crazy if, if Yariel Rodriguez gets a look as a starter. I personally think he's set up best as a high leverage relief arm, which if you look at the bullpen, they also need because yeah, outside of really two arms in the back end, I don't really trust anybody else. So I think it could be this Swiss army knife for them. And I talked about it. Like it's a very unique fastball. I had a back and forth with Eno Saris on, on, on X. Yeah. Um, he talked about how the stuff plus graded out as like a 75 um, in the world baseball classic. Um, and, and I asked him, don't, doesn't stuff plus generally dock 
pitchers with the cut ride and, and cut ride is like what it sounds like. It's a little bit of cut and a little bit of carry, but sometimes because of the pitch characteristics, it'll get knocked down uh, in the eyes of stuff plus. And he said, yes, but because uh, I used Justin Steele as an example, he's another cut ride fastball guy right. that grades out as a 90 stuff plus, but he was extremely effective with the fastball at a lower velocity. He said yes and no, but then ultimately he also said, well, I guess we'll just have to see. Maybe it's different enough. Eno is one of the most brilliant baseball minds out there. Um, and he's kind of in the boat of let's wait and see. Yeah. My best guess is that that fastball is weird enough to work. And yeah. and I think it, weird in the lens of he legitimately, it's it's almost a cutter most of the time. Um, so, you know, a, a four-seam fastball is naturally going to have around seven inches from a righty, seven inches of horizontal run. And, and that's just because it's almost physically impossible to throw a fastball that doesn't, you know, run at all horizontally. You know, it, it, that's why it's important to get 20 inches of induced vertical break. So if you're 20 inches of induced vertical break and seven inches of horizontal, it's going to look like it's carrying more than running horizontally. If yeah. you're 18 inches of vertical break and only four inches of horizontal, it's going to look like that even more because, again, you don't have any of that arm side run. We're looking at a guy here that's like 13 inches of, of vertical break, induced vertical break, and like zero of horizontal. So... It, it does play up, and then sometimes it's like negative in terms of the horizontal, meaning it's cutting to his glove side. So I think the variance and the unique aspect of his fastball at 95, 96 yeah. is going to make for some uncomfortable at-bats for hitters. It is really – you should just look at it as almost like a cutter, and it's going to result in ground balls. So some of them play well at the top of the zone. A lot of them result in ground balls, and then his slider is just disgusting, and that slider right. alone is enough to make him a high-leverage relief piece. What's interesting is he started throwing a splitter, understandably, like all the guys around him in Japan are probably throwing splitters. Yeah. It looked pretty good. I saw some good ones in the WBC. If that pitch comes along, then I could see the idea of trying to use him as a starter. But I love him as a high leverage Swiss Army knife type of guy that, you know, in an emergency, he could open for you and go two innings, three innings. But I like him more in the high leverage role, especially starting out because, as you mentioned, he didn't throw in 2023. So you're going to build him back up to something that he hasn't done in six, seven years. He was really starting for the most part in in, right. in uh, Cuba. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this year should be a good time to just get his feet wet in the big leagues, build a workload back up and and work as a reliever. Yeah. So he wanted the opportunity to start games. Wanting the opportunity to start games across a four-year deal does not mean he needs to start the fifth game of the season for the Toronto Blue Jays. He wants the opportunity to earn the opportunity to start games for Toronto. And I think that was a large part of the sales pitch that Ross Atkins made to him in his camp. So it, that doesn't mean that he's like forcing Alec Manoa out of the rotation. He can be a high leverage reliever this year, but when Bassett comes off the books or, you know, if Manoa ends up like flopping again, Rodriguez can jump into that um, versus Hicks, where I think Jordan Hicks is like, is just a starter from the jump. And the only way he gets out of that is if he fails as a starting pitcher. Yes. Um, exactly. Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, Kikuchi, Manoa, Romano is the closer. Yariel Rodriguez is a setup guy with Swanson. That sounds really good. Huge help for the staff. Huge I mean, help. It's just one of those where it's just, it's just, again, I don't know what his role is going to be in the short term, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it just was, they needed a guy that could contribute in a few different ways. And I think he could check a lot of different boxes for them based on what they need, um, which is 
just having an alternate like that that could plug in because I do have some concerns, uh, both in the rotation and in, in high leverage. And now he might be able to plug a leak in either if there is one. Yeah. We're going to get weird in the middle segment. Uh, top names in the IFA cycle and the White Sox GM episode. Before that, quick break. All right. I did the international free agent digging, so you did not have to. None of this is baseball related. It is strictly these young men's first and last name. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five honorable mentions. I've got two niche awards, and then I've got my top five names of the IFA period. So um, I'm going to give you the name. And this is almost like you're sitting on the couch in therapy. You just you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say this name. Okay. First, let's start with the Spider-Man meme award. Um, the Pirates signed a guy named Jesus Lizardo. L-I-Z-A-R-D-O. Jesus Lizardo, not Luzardo. Oh, gosh, that's great. I would say I would say he's off to a great start. Right. I don't think he's a pitcher, though. I think he is a hitter. Uh, but Jesus Lizardo. Smallest feel. I like this one. I don't know if it's a nickname or not. But Houston signed a guy named Eduardito Lopez, which is pretty much Eduardo it's, Lopez. Has to be a nickname, just smaller. That, like, <laughs> I my my Latin side of the family would always just add Ito to everything right. when they when they call were referring to me. Um, no, but maybe maybe they wanted to name him that. Maybe. That's awesome, little Eduardo. I, I think fun. Fun yes. is the first word that comes to me that. Okay. Eduardito Lopez signed with the Houston Astros. Now we get to the honorable mentions. I've got five of them before the top five. The San Diego Padres signed a shortstop named Kevin Tamburini. Thoughts? That's just an awesome name. It's a great name. Um, but also, that doesn't, where's he from? Tamburini, Venezuela. Does not sound like a Latin name, right? No, no? at all. Not at all. Not at all. At all. Um, I've got another one that does not sound Latin at all, but they made the top five. Um, Mailerson Casanova signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Mailerson, like mail, I send you a letter in the mail, E-R-S-O-N, Casanova signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Ridiculous. I mean, that's just yeah. awesome. Um, how about Matt Harvey's cousin, Max Gregory Harvey, signed with the New York Mets. M-A-X. G-R-E-G-O-R-I. Max Gregory Harvey. Not actually his cousin. No, not his cousin. Okay. Um, uh, we signed with the Mets. That's pretty crazy. That is kind of crazy. The Milwaukee. Rises exactly. Um, this one got a lot of love on social media. Jesus Made signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. And if you're not getting it, write it Jesus. down. Jesus Made. Jesus Made. Jesus made. People love it. Um, last honorable mention, signed with the L.A. Dodgers. Yo, Jackson Laya. Y-O, Jackson Laya. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, it's, like, it, it's honestly like, I just, I love, I love how fun some of the names can be across like different, different cultures, because then it's also one of those things where you got to hear the, the broadcasters say it. And I just get so excited about that. Right. As someone like my name's pretty normal, like in short and like easy, but like not easy at all in terms of Aram. And I was just talking about this on the call up. Like it's always so fun to just hear how people try to butcher it or how they're going to get it. But that is, that is a good one. Yeah. Well, this is also like, this is kind of where I cook. I love figuring out that the tough names, like, when DJ 
Uyangalale. Oh my God, I screwed it up on the putt. Screwed it up. When DJ Uyangalale got his first start at Clemson, I was like, I'm going to be all over that. I'm never going to get it wrong ever. And look at me, I just got it wrong. Um, all right, top five. Number five, Manny Ramirez signed with the Texas Rangers. M A N N I Ramirez. Another guy off to a great start. Great start. The bloodline's excellent. Just, just just lay off the juice and you're off to a great start. You're good. Um, Latin guy signed with the Tampa Bay Rays. Number four is Frank Chessman with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny. Every once in a while, you just you get a, a name mixed in there that it feels like he's from like Kansas. Right. Like, and it's just it's always great. So I have to Google Frank Chessman baseball um, because Frank Chessman, if you Google it, is the director of national sales at Alkaline 88. So Alkaline 88, the water company. Um, let's see. I'm going to open up LinkedIn as the app pulls up. He lives in Corona, California. I Frank Chessman. If he was from Kansas, but so good. Um, all right. Number three, the Cincinnati Reds signed someone named Diorland Zambrano. Dior, like Christian Dior, D-I-O-R-L-A-N-D, Zambrano. Dior Land Zambrano. You are the newest Cincinnati Red. This is, this is like the the college the college sports, like best names as well that we'll yeah. see. Like it's just, it, this is an underrated angle. Auburn had a safety named Smoke Monday the last couple of years. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> that is good. Obsessed. Uh, number two, the newest San Francisco giant is Juan Colorado. Yeah, that's and my I, favorite one by far. I've never been more sure that that is an adult film name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, if someone introduced themselves to me as Juan Colorado, I'm, I'm assuming that they're a, a, a celebrity movie star or an adult film. An adult film that said, I feel like with that name, you're destined for greatness. You can't be like basic name and then state like that. I like just, Joe Montana. Right. Like, he's basically the Latin Joe Montana. That's, Pretty much Juan Colorado, Joe Montana. Um, I will say Bill Schmidt had an excellent opportunity and he dropped the ball Mm -hmm. on signing Juan Colorado. But that trade in two years is going to be awesome to see Juan Colorado. He didn't throw well enough from the left side. That's right. All they want. That's his problem. And number one is the viral one. Iverson Allen signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates. A little bit of backstory. Allen's dad played on the Panamanian national basketball team. So clearly a basketball fan probably went for Iverson Allen. There was a guard at Mississippi State on the basketball team named Iverson Molinar, whose dad was also from Panama and played basketball. So it might just be a thing. But Iverson Allen is now a Pittsburgh Pirate. And I hope there's not a Lou Tyron in next year's IFA class. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Getting right to practice. That's what we got. All right. Uh, the Chicago White Sox GM episode. Drum roll, please. 2023, their payroll was $163 million. They slashed that by about 40. $128.1 million is their projected 2024 payroll. Transactions so far, they declined a $15 million option on Liam Hendricks, who had to undergo Tommy John surgery. He's shooting for a trade trade deadline return. Um kind of makes sense that he would just remain a free agent and sign if he is healthy around that time. They declined $14 million on Tim Anderson. They declined $12 million on Mike Clevenger. Sorry, Clevenger declined $12 million. 
They traded Aaron Bummer to Atlanta for every 40-man crunch guy ever. Mike Soroka, Jared Schuster, <laughs> Nicky Lopez, Braden Shoemake, and then Riley Gowans. They signed Paul DeYoung to a one-year, $1.75 million deal. They signed Eric Fetty, the reigning KBO MVP, to a two-year, $15 million <laughs> deal. They take Shane Drohan in the Rule 5 draft. They purchase Max Stassi from Atlanta. They signed Martin Maldonado to one for $4.25 million. They signed Tim Hill, one year, $1.8 million, and they signed Chris Flexen for one $1.75 million. Um, it's a weird offseason. Yeah. I I honestly don't hate it. Like, I, I honestly think that considering where they're at, and, you know, we're, we're I think it's becoming abundantly clear that Dylan Cease is going to end up getting moved at the deadline. So yes. it, it, just, it just seems like that's the case. And honestly, if they truly, based on, you know, and, and Getz now being at the helm, I have a little bit more faith in, you know, their decision making. If, if they truly believe that Cease is going to be better in the first half, then I get it. Hold you know him. what? Have an exorbitant asking price as if he was pitching the way you think he's going to pitch. And look, it, it's it's a gamble, but in the state that they're in right now, why not take that gamble? At least on opening day, you have a legitimate bona fide ace. Yeah. And, you know, you can say you gave it the college try in the first half. Like, there's still talent in this lineup. You still have Luis Robert. You still have Eloy Jimenez. You're hoping that Ben Attendee can, you know, provide a little bit more. Andrew Vaughn is still a young, interesting player. You hope that Moncada can bounce back. Like, I don't think any of these things are – or I think some of these things are going to happen. But at the end of the day, like, they can give it the college try in the, in the first half. And, again, you know, I think it's a lot less – appealing to fans when you trade cease away and you look at opening day and your starter would be what michael kopech so right you know i think from that lens i get it um so we're not going to trade him yet i guess would be no. would be the thing the we're not going to trade like him. the off season is that you know they did go get some vets that they could flip and i'm we always talk about flippable vets max dassey was hurt all year and then dealt with you know some serious personal issues that you know now he's he's available and back this guy was really good for some stretches he's only 32 he's gonna be 33 you know, early in the season. Let's see what he can do. You know, I, that could be a bounce back candidate. Maldonado, if he doesn't absolutely stink, right. someone will trade for him at some point. For Paul sure. Young, reclamation like season here. He's 30. We know what he's capable of. If, you know, if he bounces back, sure, flip him. Nicky Lopez, same story. Um, And then with the pitching side, like Soroka, why not? It's sure. probably going to be a lost season. Let's see what a 26-year-old Soroka can do when he's in the rotation every fifth day. He didn't get a consistent chance because, one, he didn't look like he you know was, was ready for that. But, two, right. because the Braves couldn't afford – for him to go through struggles at the big league level. Chris Flexen, same story, six ERA. We've seen better. Let's see what happens. And then Fetty, again, like he was the MVP in the KBO. So, or the NPB, NPB, KBO. 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 Uh, yeah, NPB would be crazy. He'd be getting the Yamamoto money. Right. Um, no, but, you know, I, I think it's fine given that they're going to be, they're in really year one of, of a rebuild in my eyes because, you know, the last couple of years it wasn't a rebuild. They were trying to win. It just was yeah. really really poor effort at it. Right. And and they didn't tear it down as effectively as they should have at the deadline if they wanted to start this rebuild a couple of months ago. Um, I, I, I agree. I think they are doing a good job laying the foundation for a rebuild. I think they had a really good deadline. And we talked about that at the deadline, like getting Nestrini and Jordan Leisure for Lance Lynn at the time and you know, like Joe Kelly, like, that was a heist, man. Um, Eater for Burger really hurts, obviously. That was like the yes. one that they clearly lost, I think. But man, like 
getting Corey Lee back for Kendall Graveman was, you know, decent. Like that guy's a third catcher, it seems. Maybe even a backup catcher for a little bit. Maybe backup, yeah. Maybe backup, sure. Um, I, I'll run through it position by position, but frankly, like we're not going to make this team that much better because we know the direction that they are in. Um, I am big on the flippable candidates thing, and I, I think there's a place to add even more. But Maldonado, Stassi, Corey Lee, they signed Chucky Robinson. Eventually, you have Edgar Caro, who's likely up middle of 2025. I, the catching, catching situation is fine for this year. Andrew Vaughn is the first baseman, Gavin Sheets. I'll ask you because I know that there is a certain subset of White Sox fans that are in love with Tim Elko. Is the Tim Elko hive real? Can he be a Major League Baseball player? I think he can be a major league baseball player. I think, uh, you know, people need to realize that he's a 24-year-old first baseman um, last year. He hits the living crap out of the ball, though. And anybody that hits the ball as hard as he does, like, I'm interested. But he chases a bunch and he whiffs a bunch. So I'm going to say it's it's an uphill battle for him. But when he hit the ball that hard, I'm, I'm always willing to see what happens. Yeah. Second base, Nicky Lopez. But Lenin Sosa and Jose Rodriguez, this is backups. Lenin Sosa, are you buying the uptick or do you think that this guy's like i don't know flash in the pan has passed him by i think i think there's a, i think there's an everyday second baseman here I, I you still, do i still think he can figure it out like i i, I he slugged still last year just the approach kind of you know went to the wayside and i mean, he was 23 i i think that if he doesn't do it this year then yeah we'll see um but you know a 52 game sample he was really bad i get it but I'd like to see another look. I, I think that there's a chance that there could be an, an everyday second baseman here. At the very least, you got a utility guy. Um, I think he's better than what we saw, and they put up some decent numbers in AAA. Right. Um, shortstop, DeYoung, Nicky, Romy Gonzalez, Braden Shoemake. I think Braden Shoemake should actually get some run here. I, I mean, but like, dude, he's he was a good college player. He was never bad in the minor leagues. Like he, he was never good enough to be a top 100 prospect. Don't get it twisted. I don't even think he was good enough to be like a top five, seven prospect in the Braves organization that historically like has not been a great farm system in recent years when Shoemaker was making his way through. Having said that, that guy screams third middle infielder. Give him an opportunity on a team that's going to be really bad this year. DeYoung, obviously you want to build up his trade stock. But like, give him some days off, or give DeYoung some days at second or third, and have Shoemaker play shortstop. You should give this guy the chance to see what you have. Considering, I think you've already given Romy Gonzalez plenty of run, and you've already given that. Like, who else, man? Who else needs run? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Lenin get a little bit more run, but again, sure. like. I think he could show some things at the AAA level, to be honest, and and improve there, like with the approach, and then you could bring him up. I think that the thing with the young, like I'm hoping he bounces back and you can flip him, but I mean he got worse and worse and worse as the year went on. So like if if he doesn't look good out of the gate, like I'd, I'd cut that experiment quickly because there's other guys that, like you said, I'd I'd like to see a little bit more um, opportunity to, to just see what they can do. And I think Shoemaker is probably that first candidate to get a look. Like he's barely played; he's only had. I think, what, four plate appearances at the big league level. Um, he's fast. He's scrappy. There's not much there offensively. I think he's mostly a bench piece as is. So yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to kind of figure out who's worth the bench piece, you know, the bench spot and you know who they want to get more regular reps to. Yeah. Moncada is owed $24 million this year. There's a club option at 25 that will be declined as quickly as you can say the word decline. How quickly can Brian Ramos be ready? I think he could be ready by the end of this year. Um, 
if he stays healthy. It's been injuries. You know, I, there's some some unique things that he needs to, you know, work on a little bit. I think velocity from, you know, specifically right-handers has, has chewed him up a little bit. But, yeah, he was hurt, bounced back. I liked what I saw in the AFL. He's not even 22 yet. Um, put up good numbers in AA even after a late start. I think he could be up by the very end of this year, or second half of this year, if he if he puts up the numbers, I think he can. Cool. Um, outfield lacks some serious depth. Luis Roberts, obviously a superstar. Andrew Benintendi is going to have a spot every day. Oscar Colas, this is a big year two for him. Yeah. Gavin Sheets is the backup guy in the corner. I'm factoring in Aloy Jimenez as the DH. I don't think that guy should play the field. Like He just no. clearly keeps getting hurt there. Um, after that, Romy Gonzalez, Brett Phillips, who signed a minor league deal. Winton Bernard, who signed a minor league deal. Like There can be some fun clubhouse guys that, that you run out as fifth outfielders, but... This year, I think if you are looking at the White Sox outfield for one thing, it's obviously enjoyment of Luis Robert. But the second thing should be seeing the maturation of Oscar Colas. If that guy doesn't take a step this year, you got to really consider how he factors into the White Sox future. I, I'm with you. Um, this is that's a big X factor here. Uh, Huge the future of of the, of the White Sox because of what what he can do, um, what we have seen him do, and what he didn't do last year. I mean, he, it's all about the bat. He's not going to defend that well for you, so he's got to hit, and he just didn't hit last year. He was fine when he went back to Triple A, but he's super aggressive. I still think he could be really good. So uh, I, I'm excited to see him get kind of lower pressure, like everyday reps out there. I will say though, dude, like. I don't really understand the the roster spot for Gavin Sheets anymore. Um, I, I think he's kind of a clogger at this point. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even think you can trade him. <laughs> like, but you also can't really cut him. But that's like that's a spot where like I just I'd rather have somebody with some upside or you know some. I want more unpredictability. Like I want more volatility here yeah. uh, at, at this spot. Like I don't want to know for sure that I'm getting no defense and you know, you're hoping for league average offense. I think it's possible to get league average offense. Uh, but you know, like, could you package him somewhere, like to send him somewhere? I, I don't even know if anybody would want him. What do you uh, get? I, yeah, like, I I don't, like yeah, we'd be putting together like fringe pitchers. So it's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? That's the thing. Like, we we'd be putting together a deal for a high A guy, and I'm just like, I I don't think we need to do don't that need to waste right now. Time on that, but right, I will say I'd want to clear that spot. I'd rather give that spot to somebody else. Uh, can that somebody else be Aaron Hicks? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think they have room for one more reclamation project. Yeah. And I would rather be Aaron Hicks. Cause like, again, what, yes, you could say, okay, Gavin sheets could bounce back and, and be worth a little bit more. So that's the thing though. He has control. If he does put up a league average offensive season, then you, you could, but at the same time, the defensive ability of this outfield is not great. Colos can't defend Benatendi's. Me, and and then you got Robert in center, but who's a go Glover? It, w- right. it would be nice to have a fourth outfielder here that could go get it, and then especially if Colas struggles, or if you just don't want Colas left on left. Like they also need somebody that could spell some of these. I mean, they have two out of their three outfielders are, are left-handed hitters, and then Sheets, the other outfielder off the bench, who's not really an outfielder, but they you know shoehorn him out there is is a lefty. Okay, so brain blast here. Um we're talking about like the so-so infield and like trying to figure out who the backup is. Why don't you just go try Jurickson and Profar? If you sign Profar who can hop in the outfield and can just like hop everywhere, he's a switch hitter. He provides that right-handed bat. Yeah. I, 
he might not be good enough defensively. Yeah, I also hate his defense too. I, dude, honestly, Hicks is like a funny one because he cr- he crushes from the right side, or at least did last year. Small sample, but did. Um, I mean, this guy had 46 hits and 206 at bats from the left side, and then had 22 hits and 63 at bats from the right side. Um, it, it seems like he's just got it going on more from from the right side at this point. So I kind of like him as someone that can actually play defense for you. Aaron Hicks, you're a White Sox fan. Yeah, and then can can spell you know the the platoon split here. Uh, flip so candidate. I, I like it, and a, and a great flip candidate, and a guy that you know, again, he, he produced a positive WAR last year. It was a 1.0 WAR, 109 WRC plus somehow. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think that's a perfect get for them. Sign me up, man. All right, starting rotation as of right now: Cease, Fetty, Kopech, Soroka. Chris Flexen slash Tuki Toussaint slash Jared Schuster. Um, Jesse Schulten started games last year. I would prefer not to watch that again. Interesting Dane thing from Drohan. Too. Dro- yeah, Drohan. I, I kind know. of view as like I a swing man. The, I thought that was the worst rule five pick, I'll be honest. Okay. Um, I know he was a popular target, so like no one's gonna say that, but I don't even understand why he was a popular. I just I don't I don't like I don't like what I see there. You just don't think like the the stuff from a pure it's, stuff it's, standpoint? It's, change up dependent lefty like the only pitch that he has that's above average is a change up it's a really good one but he doesn't have, i mean look at the walk rates and it got worse and worse as the year went on fastball got pillaged so it's just a change up from the left side maybe they saw something that they can develop here but you know i i thought that there was other guys that they could have went out and got that have a chance at starting um that would have made more sense there is a guy internally that has a chance at starting and chris Getz was on zoom earlier this week and he mentioned this individual's chance at starting as of right now, the front four hell the front five are all right-handed. There is a lefty that is entering camp as a starting pitcher. And that is Garrett crochet. Get said crochet is a starter. Um, we've seen this arc with Kopech. It didn't go well with Michael Kopech. Here's to hoping it can go better with crochet. Having said all this crochet's stuff pre-injury was worlds better than Copex when he tried to make this move. Uh, it was like sitting 100 pre-injury. Post-injury, he's been 95 to 96, maybe Papa 97. If he's fully healthy, he can sit 96, 97, I think. I would love to give that lefty a shot as the five at the beginning of the year. And worst case scenario, he ends up back in the bullpen. Yeah, like why not, right? This is the only time that you can really try it, um, and you know, not have too much, you know, too much risk there. My only thing that I'm a little concerned about is like you had some velo pops and outings where he was sitting 97, 98, and then on the back half, you know, last five, six, seven outings, it was more 95, 96. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that said, he was banged up, you know, and then you know came back off the injury. So assuming that he's healthy, my thing is like. There's this weird infatuation with baseball teams wanting to take their lefties who are super injury prone and and put them back in the rotation. Yeah, uh, where we're seeing the Marlins kicking the tires on that or with, with with AJ Puck, the Orioles are going to consider that apparently according to DL Hall with DL Hall. Um, so that's out of its wild to me. But you know what? And in, in a year like this, there's a guy that has more upside than pretty much any other arm in your rotation. Fuck it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Fuck it. I agree. Um, Schuster. I'm not ready to call Jared Schuster damaged goods yet. No, you you could develop into a five. Yeah, but like we know that the ceiling is totally capped, but for Atlanta to pretty much throw him away as mincemeat, I thought was fascinating. I was like, what did yeah. they know that I don't? 
because this guy was a fringe top 100 guy going into the year last year. Obviously, he yeah, stunk it up at the major league level. The fastball backed up a little bit. You know, the changeup, it's it's built on a lot of deception. And I think he just kind of lost his way. They preferred to, you know, work with a couple other guys. Because I think they knew also that, you know what, they they couldn't keep the 40-man spot for him. And, like, he was going to get picked in the Rule 5 eventually. So yeah. I don't think he was Rule 5 eligible this year, but it would have been next year anyway. So it's just one of those spots where I don't think you're going to regret it. You're not going to lose sleep if he develops into the five that, like, he can be. So... Why not? Um, I love the get for the White Sox because I think it's going to be a revolving door. I think the White Sox lead the league in players who make a start for them this year. I um, Yeah. And, and I think that's great. I think that's what you should want it to be. You know, like, again, if, if Flexen and Soroka look like they're damaged goods at this point, see ya. Bye. Let's let's try somebody else again. If Kopech looks like you could flip him at some point, trade him. Um, and then and then keep going. Fetty, again, trade candidate. Um, and then you'll you'll be able to put a bunch of new guys in there. If, if Davey Garcia looks all right, like, put yeah. him in there. If it doesn't work there, then try somebody else. If Crochet doesn't look good, or if he gets hurt, try somebody else. Like they've got like nine, ten guys. Right. They and can try and see what happens. And dude, we haven't even mentioned Christian Mena, Nick Nestrini, Sean Burke, Jake Eater. I, I like. I know you're down on Eater, but Nestrini, he was hot and cold at the end of the year. Burke was a guy that a lot of White Sox people enjoyed. Mena, like obviously, had the fastball characteristics. There are a lot of options to see who's a big league starting pitcher. All while Davis Martin is recovering from Tommy John. And I think that guy proved that he can be a back end big league starter. I think Davis Martin might be the most intriguing of uh, 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 right. one of the most intriguing of the bunch. Nostrini obviously has some yeah. pretty special stuff, but I like Davis a lot and he could be back by the end of the season as well. So, I mean, I, the, I don't really know what, what you can add here because you want to audition all your different guys, you want to give them opportunities. I really think the only thing left here is maybe one reliever. I like, think so. The bullpen I don't, sucks. Tanner Banks in there. Like, yeah, you can go through it. No, so it's Gregory Santos who like is legit. I think Santos can be a setup guy in Major League Baseball, yeah, and he was really good probably. last year. Yeah, probably. Um, but they have a ton of control, so I understand keeping him for the meantime. Santos, Jimmy Lambert, Tim Hill, uh, Drohan, Tanner Banks, Alex Spees. Give Jordan Leisure a, a spot. Like on opening day, Leisure they, is good enough to be a major I league. I think they will. Guy. He was in the AFL for a reason. Yeah, I, Leisure came over with Nistrini in that Lance Lynn deal. I wrote down three names real quick. Just pick one. Flip candidates. Matt Moore, Colin McHugh, Araldis Chapman. Who do you want to add to the bullpen? <laughs> we floated the same names in the last episode. Did you? <laughs> yeah, legit the same names. I tried to, to, to go with Chapman, and Peter said he'd only agree to send Chapman to a team if it's the Angels, which was pretty funny. But That is good. Yeah, the White Sox are kind of the angels. <laughs> I was going to say the White Sox seem like the perfect fit for a guy with character questions and clubhouse questions. <laughs> like, why not? Um, no, I mean, I feel like they're trying to right the ship now. There, I mean, I, I Chapman hasn't done anything for a while. He seems like he's been, you know, trying to you know repair that that image that he had, and um, so far, like he's bounced a couple of organizations, and we haven't heard anything negative. Um, right. That's probably the upside play, but I, I assume he's going to get more money elsewhere and they're not going to want to pay it to him. Um, McHugh, we, we gave Matt Moore to somebody else recently. Is there Did another you? name that you can throw out? Um, man, I mean, Zach Granke, you are a Chicago White Sox. Um, I, I want to see Zach Granke somehow try it again this year. What Carl, I told you that I, what, I used that name last episode too. Granke? I swear. No, you didn't. Arizona? I, I swear. I said, how about a reunion? Peter's like, I don't need to see another Zach reunion. So, I mean, we were on the same wavelength here, brother. Man. Um, uh, other names that jump out to me, Amir Garrett, 
Um, I, that's that's probably the bounce back candidate that makes the most sense. I say we send him Amir Garrett. Okay, yeah, I'm in. Amir Garrett, Michael Givens, another guy. Do Nelson Lamette? Years can you be a bounce back candidate before you're just not a bounce back candidate? Anymore? I think Amir Garrett has hit his threshold of He's, being a bounce back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but let's try it. Let's try it, Amir Garrett. You are a Chicago White Sox. Okay, so uh, man, we just we added Aaron Hicks and Amir Garrett to the Chicago White Sox. Right. Cool. Um, All right. We are going to wrap with the Cubs and the Braves. Before that, one more break. Okay. Thanks for stomaching your veggies with the White Sox. Now we get to the good stuff. We get to the chocolate lava cake with the Chicago Cubs. What are they going to do? Let's get creative. The Cubs, their payroll last year, $189 million. Their projected payroll this year, 186. So they are right there. CBT again, right around 237. So they have some room to play with. Notable transactions so far. It was quiet, but Cody Bellinger declined his $12 million option. Marcus Stroman declined his $21 million option. They declined $5 million on Brad Boxberger. They exercised $16.5 on Kyle Hendricks and $6 million on Jan Gomes. The Gomes one makes way more sense to me than the Hendricks one, but I'll let it fly. I was like, look at the market, though. You know, like, yeah. the guy's way worse. Right. Getting big money. I mean, you Hendricks gave you a 3-7 in 137 innings. That was yeah. coming off of, a, of an injury. So I have faith that he's going to stay healthy this year. And like, he just gets out. And you know what? It's good to have that that continuity and, and, and have him there. So at, at first it was shocking. And then, you know, you see Kyle Gibson and these guys get $13 million. I'm like, I'd rather have. Hendricks at 16, I think. So, yeah, that, that part I get. You know, they've already made some moves too, um, but I think this is the perfect team to have like almost one of the last because they've been one of the more dormant teams, and I think there's still more work to do. Yeah. So, you know, I'll let you lead us through, but I, you know, I have a couple of questions for you. Right. So Hendricks, also the only guy remaining that was on that 2016 team. Hap debuted and played the whole year in 2017. I was thinking Hap was going to be the only one, but it is Kyle Hendricks. So I I totally get it from a fan base standpoint and the fan base is so important. Jan Gomes also was sneaky good for the Cubs last year. So six mil makes sense. They hire Craig Council as their manager. They signed Shota Imanaga to four years, 53 mil. They acquire Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte for Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope with the Dodgers. And they sign your king and mine, Jorge Alfaro, to a minor league free agent deal. Um, excited for that. What are your questions? Are they are they overarching or are they position by position? Well, no, one, one sp- sp- position specific. Um, okay. Center field's a unique spot that they're in right now. And yes. I understand why they haven't signed Ballinger, you know, or re-signed him yet. Because you have Pete Crow Armstrong waiting in the wings. You have Mike Talkman, who is a very competent option my only thing with talkman is it got worse and worse as the year went on and remember this is a guy that was playing in the kbo like he, he's a guy that's bounced around he's 33 um i i do wonder how much of it was him kind of standing on his head a little bit but then you can also wonder if okay he plays good defense he walks like that could be enough to hold it down until pca comes up but Again, what if PCA has some growing pains? Like he still has, I've talked about it. Like we've talked about it on the call up. Like there's, I, I, he's a top 20 prospect in baseball. He's one of the best yeah. defensive center fielders I, I've ever seen, you know, in the minor leagues and um, will be one of the best defensive center fielders in the major leagues immediately. But there's some offensive questions there. He whiffs a lot. He chases a lot. Like he still needs to iron some things out. He's extremely young. He doesn't have that many reps because of injuries and COVID. I, I 
still feel like you got to go get somebody that you can trust a little bit more in center. I mean, over the last 40 games, Mike Talkman had a 613 OPS, but maybe I'm cherry picking. You know, maybe he's more of what he was in the first 60 games, but I just, I don't know what to expect from Mike Talkman. And I think this is a very important aspect of things because if he struggles, well, I guess you could go to Morrell out there, but you know, how is Morrell's defense in center field? Um, it, it's, it's a unique spot that I could understand them doing nothing, but I could also understand wanting to be a bit more aggressive. I think they could do a lot. And I know um, there were, there was somebody that tweeted out, might've been John Heyman that tweeted out after talking to a high ranking exec, um, they said the Cubs are the team to watch when it comes to the remaining big ticket free agents. He thinks that they will be very active, which uh, is interesting. And it kind of validates what we thought the Cubs were going to do this off season. I think the answer in center, in center field is Cody Bellinger. Like I really do think it is re-signing Bellinger and you make the DH spot a turnstile and Bellinger is a DH to give PCA run when he's ready or you put Bellinger at first and you move Bush to third. I think you can start to play a bit of a jigsaw and pretty much phase Talkman out. Talkman's an excellent bench bat to have, I think. But if he's the Cubs opening day center fielder when they have legitimate aspirations at winning the division, I don't think they did a good enough job improving the team. I'm with you. And I'm just trying to think like, you know, you look at the lineup, Talkman is one of two lefties. Michael Bush is the other lefty that you went out and got. Um, you know, you can take us through position position because you know I have some some ideas of of you know how they could maybe get better and where they could look. But yeah, you know, I, I do wonder. I think they like Talkman. You know, I think Cubs fans like Talkman because it's safe. You know, he's and, he, and he's be, from there. Yeah, he's from there. He's not going to be bad. I think he's a great bench piece. But I just feel like when you have PCA, you know, what's the point of Talkman? The problem is, okay, you go, you bring back Bellinger, and now you gotta you gotta find some space. You gotta make you gotta make a trade or something. So. Yep. Are we are we are we at the point where we're signing guys? Or are we going to go through the lineup first? We're going to go through the lineup. Um, okay, go ahead. Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya are the catching tandem. Are you doing anything to that? No, no I, I think that's actually fine. Yeah, I wish there were greener pastures in terms of the backup catching department, but there aren't. So there like aren't. you and, just and roll actually, with it. I think Amaya can be good. I mean, he, he was he's been very hurt through his minor league career, and then was thrusted up to the big leagues and held his own. I thought he was very solid. So I actually think Amaya can be good. Yeah, and a go- and Gomes again Gomes beloved is, in and, Chicago. Yeah, and they love him. He's fine. He doesn't even. He's not even that backup catcher that you have to like stomach misery with, like like Maldonado. Like he put up fine numbers. Yeah, my initial thought after the trade with the Dodgers was Michael Bush was going to play third base because he played third base for the majority of the time in Oklahoma City. But Sahadev Sharma immediately reported that Bush was going to enter camp as the starting first baseman. Bush at first, Mervis is the backup plan. Hayden McGeary and Patrick Wisdom are are also sitting there. I Wisdom's gonna make the team. Like, does he play first base? I don't know. He might just be a DH, he might be a bench bat. Um, Bush and Mervis, I'm sleeping so soundly, knowing that yeah, those are my I options. Mean, I, I love the idea of having Mervis, you know, behind Bush. Cause again, yeah. I still think Mervis can can and I'm biased, but like I, I still think he can do some some great things at the big league level. And you know, had a whole offseason to to really work on some specifics you know, as to what he learned at the big league level. But also for the Cubs, you know, it would be silly if you have, you know, World Series aspirations to just roll out there with a rookie again that, you know, doesn't have as much of the track record as Bush. And they were able to get Bush in a reliever. So why not have two young, exciting players 
And, you know, if Bush, for whatever reason, struggles, now you have another option of a guy that could pop too. I think Bush is going to play well, though. And it also gives you the opportunity if Mervis is just standing on his head in AAA, looks like everything is starting to, you know, click the way it did in the, you know, larger part of last year. You could always move Bush to third and then get creative there or funnel guys through the DH spot. So it just gives you more options and it doesn't put all your eggs in the in the Mervis basket, which you know, clearly the Cubs, you know, are are a little bit timid, which I understand. He was an undrafted free agent and a guy that really popped up out of nowhere. You know, it's it's hard to put all your eggs in that basket. So I understand that. I also like the idea of being able to platoon where wisdom, I mean, he hits bombs off the bench. That's great. Right. And, you know, Bush can be sheltered from lefties. Wisdom gets the right-handed side of that. And, you know, I think can can start to you know, put up some really good numbers just against lefties. For sure. Middle infield, no notes. Horner at second, Dansby at short. Master Boney is, you know, the third middle infielder. Luis Vasquez is ready to handle shortstop in case of oh, emergency, yeah. but he'll never touch it because Dansby plays all the time and he's really good. Um, third base is obviously a, a sore spot. Uh, we can improve there. Nick Madrigal is currently slated there. And the outfield, Christopher Morell is the DH. They have too many DH options to warrant keeping Christopher Morell. He's clearly surplus and he's clearly valuable. So I'm going to throw you a morale trade and you can laugh me off the zoom or we can workshop it. Okay. Here, here's my question before you do that. Yeah. So if Madrigal isn't hitting, what are, what are we doing at the hot corner? Because you know, I assume like Madrigal at this point, like, you know what you're getting. It's going to be the, it's not even 300, 300, 300. No. It's going to be 260, 300, 300. So, Right. Yeah, you defended well. I think he's a good bench piece. He can kind of move all over. I, I like the way he he plays the game. Like I think he's a good scrappy. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have. It makes a lot of contact. Whatever. But at third base, it's a power position. Uh, I I I I don't know if you've ever seen Christopher Morel throw, but like I just don't think he can really play third. He like throws like cutters. So. <laughs> that's part of the problem. So they're in this unique spot where if Madrigal struggles, yeah, they could put Morel there, but might be hard and, and and bush is you know he's barely played first base he's learning he can, first base right you get 99 mile an hour cutters from you know christopher morell so it, it's it's a unique spot that i also think is you could make the case is as important as center field for them because i i think you look at center and you can say talkman i think i like talkman and center more than i like magical at third then you look at the the prospects. Triantos defensively is stretched then and, and won't be ready this year. Matt yeah. Shaw, you're hoping will be ready, but you know hasn't played enough third, um, and still is probably a year. You know, I wouldn't be there till the end of the year. And then on the other side of it, it's like yeah, PCA at least could plug in and play a great defensive center field, and you have a contingency plan there. Third base, you don't really have any t- contingency plan outside of Pat Wisdom. So. The way that I view it is the contingency plan outside of wisdom is Bush. And then it would be Mervis at first base and Bush in turn moves to third base. I think you can jigsaw the third base issue a little bit more than you can jigsaw the center field issue. And if you sign Bellinger, that in turn creates that hole plugged, right? Because Bellinger can then hop over to first base, PCA plays center, and Bush slides over to third. Yeah. And There's I think just that's what it would would ultimately be. So, I, but you're, are you going to pay Bellinger to be a great defensive center fielder to play first base? No, that's the tough one. So, like, I'm just going to I'm going to ask you straight up right now: Bellinger or Matt Chapman? Because they're going to sign one of them. 
I'd rather have Bellinger by a lot, but Chapman's going to be probably cheaper. A hundred million dollars cheaper. So honestly, with where they're at, dude, I'd probably lean Chapman. Go with the best defensive infield. I mean, assuming Bush holds up his end of the bargain, but you'd have to be like, you'd have to be impressively bad to tank this infield. What a defensive infield that would be with Horner, with with Dansby, and then Matt Chapman. I think it's a great landing spot for Chapman too. Like, I I don't know. I, there's just something about paying paying a guy like Bellinger long term, and then either you're blocking PCA or you're putting him at first base. Right. That that's really hard for me to stomach, and it's also going to be half the price. I think, or at yeah. least sixty percent. Of the price for Chapman, I don't think the Chapman market's going to materialize the way that you know he was hoping. And I think it, there's only a few teams, a few suitors. The reason why the Cubs have been waiting, I think, you know, Chapman just hasn't gotten the, the right offer. I think they could s- snag him for not that much over a hundred mil. So, like, might I ask you, is the market materializing for Bellinger? Like, there, there's no, frankly, no not. market there. Like, okay, off the top of your head, how many suitors? Like, how many teams are would be better tomorrow with with? Cody Bellinger that reasonably would sign him. Like I, I look at San Francisco, uh, Toronto, San Francisco, Toronto, the Cubs, like I'll throw them in for the sake of the exercise. Who else is like I, the Phillies, but I doubt they, they go there. Um, they have made some big offers though. So you never know. Uh, the thing is, yeah. How many other teams are really going to go there? Right. The, a lot of teams, Probably Mariners not going to go there. They've got a center fielder. Like you look yeah. at the teams that even like are are competitive that would would potentially spend. Padres don't have money. Rockies, I, I'm begging them to do it. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, why would Bellinger go there? Why would a Boris client? You know, unless it's I mean, Chris Bryant's a Boris. I was just client. saying, unless it's a Chris Bryant situation where they're offering more than anybody else, maybe they're willing to do that. Right. But I guess the the point kind of stands though is that there's not that many teams. I guess that you know, could go and. Yeah, the Red Sox, they don't want to spend, and they'll just roll with Duran. Uh, the Yankees make a lot of sense, but you know, clearly they, they're going a d- different direction there, and they're going to go with what they're going with. So, And then the Twins don't have money. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird spot, but I just still feel like it's going to be cheaper to, to get Chapman, right? But then at the same time, where the, where the hell is Bellinger going to go? I have no idea. Like Toronto, I think makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, shit, man. San Francisco makes the most sense. Like get Pelly in San Francisco. Sense. Okay, so get Pelly in San Francisco. Um, and all right, they signed Chapman for the sake of the exercise. Now Morel is like so clearly surplus. Yeah. So let's go trade Morel. Their starting rotation. I'm going to pitch you on like not improving it because I know it doesn't look great. It's Steele, Imanaga, Tyone, Hendricks, and Wicks. Four of those guys are pretty much locked in right now. If I said you get 30 starts combined from Wicks and Assad, that feels a lot better than Wicks exclusively. And then you've got guys like Drew Smiley, Wisniewski if he bounces back, Ben Brown if he bounces back. Ship has sailed on Killian, I think. I think Kate Horton could debut. Horton uh, like, can debut. Would not surprise me at all if Horton, you know, if they manage his innings and then he pops up to help them down the stretch of of the second half. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all either. Uh, and then the last one other point on like center field and just I think yeah. the, the talk about contingency plans. If it was ever a disaster, PCA can't play out there. Talkman stinks. You could always slide Ian Hap there. He's not going to be a total total liability, right. and he's going to hit. 
Um, and then you also have Canario, who, again, won't be a total, total liability and can also hit. Um, so, you know, th- th- there is just a lot of options there. But back to the the original point, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Where where are you at? Uh, I think that Morella's surplus, especially with how good Owen Casey was in AA last year, it could be a quick stop in AAA. He could just be the DH. I want to move Morell to get a freaking dude at the back of this bullpen. Alzali, I think, is a closer adjacent. I think Alzali is the is not even a poor man's Brian Abreu. It's a slightly discounted Brian Abreu. So with this hater news, why can't Morell lead a package that goes and gets you if you're feeling really spunky, Brian Abreu or Ryan Presley? Like Morell for Presley, straight up, doesn't sound terrible, I don't think. Where would he play for them? I mean, their center field options right now are Jake Myers and Mauricio Dubon. I yeah yeah, but they like center field defense. Myers is an unbelievable defender. Yeah, I I like the idea. I so you think you're good with that rotation? Steele, Tyone. I think Tyone's going to be better. I love the Imanaga signing, of course. Yeah, Hendricks is a good four five. Wicks is a fine four or five. I wish they had a little bit more upside there. I will say, like Assad, wish- Assad's a good four or five. Yeah, like yeah. I just wish there was a little bit more impact at the top. But you know, so, what? like you're not you're not going to sign Blake Snell. You're not going to go with another lefty, and you're not going to trade for. You know, I think the only way that they would be able to to make a trade is you know for one of the Marlins starters, which is going to be hard to come by clearly. Uh, and also, two of their guys are lefties. Um, they could. Go for Tanner Scott. I still think that's a perfect fit. I know so, we've talked about him in multiple episodes, but right. it, it just seems like that's the most likely guy to get get moved for the Marlins. And like that could make sense. I just feel like for the Astros, like they just lost Graveman. I think that's why they're in on Hater now. Okay. So if we trade Morell, let's think about a middle of the rotation arm that could be available. I don't think there are really any. My eyes also went to Miami, and I thought, okay, Morell and what can get you Tanner Scott and Edward Cabrera? I know. I was thinking about putting those together, um, and and that's that's the interesting thing. Like, would the Marlins ever package both? I think absolutely. Um, yeah. I think they absolutely would. And Edward Cabrera gives you so much more upside in that rotation, right? Instead of Steele and, and Wicks, you got a shot at, you know, a guy that could be um, – yeah, I think a number three, number number two, when it's all when it's all there, right? Uh, but at the very least, you could always move him to the bullpen. You just added another really exciting arm to the fold. And Tanner Scott's, I, you look at Julian Merriweather, like that guy was hurt almost every single time we we saw him on the mound. It was a hundred, and then he was gone. So this was yeah. the first year that we really saw him throw a lot of innings. But I, I don't know if you can count on that. Um, they do also have Drew Smiley, who started a bit too as an alternate as well, uh, right? Through 142 innings. So it's interesting, but yeah, I think. I think Morell and it wouldn't take that that much more. I, like I'm wondering, like, is is that the route that they'd want to go? Get two big league pieces there, because then it could be like Morell, Canario. Because uh, I think the Marlins would have interest in Canario. They need a right-handed power bat in the outfield. Um, but we've also done a lot of mock trades to the Marlins, <laughs> right? I'm just trying to think like what other starters could could be out there to be gotten uh, that that are available. I just I, I don't know if there's if there's many. Uh, that, I just that they'd be able to get. I don't think we're doing the cease thing again. Um, 
And Morell is so hard because he's a tweener. Like Morell for Tanner Scott is a massive overpay by the Cubs. Morell for Jesus Lizardo is a massive underpay by the Cubs. Morell for Dylan Cease is a massive underpay for the Cubs. Like they're going to need to attach prospects to guys that are considered good and guys that are on expiring deals. Like it, it's just too much like to have Morell. So you would need to get that guy and more he, he's a tweener he's like when you're in between a pair of jeans really it, it's let's figure this out man um i don't know he makes my brain hurt because he's so clearly surplus for the well, Cubs. and he screams he screams what peter bendix would look for right like, yeah Jose siri like they they love those types yeah in tampa and that's what guy that bendix targeted they love the tooled up fast hit the ball hard we'll figure out the hit like they love those guys. And that's why I think Morell could be a perfect fit. Like I think Bendix would target target him. So I think Tanner Scott, Edward Cabrera for Morell, Moises Ballesteros. Like I don't I don't really see a direct path for him, especially with how much they like Amaya. Yeah. Um, you could go Ballesteros and then adding Canario. I feel that like might, that's that might be too much on the Cubs end. I think so because Canario's value with the Cubs is heightened because there is no Nelson Velasquez anymore. That is true. So, BJ Murray? Yeah, sure. You sign Chapman and you acquire Tanner Scott and Edward Cabrera for Morel, Ballesteros, and BJ Murray. Yeah. I mean, the Marlins should do that because they don't have a single catching prospect. That absolutely helps them. Yeah. Um, you cash in on a reliever. I, and I think for the Cubs, like you get a guy that can close games for you and is you're guaranteed your setup guy. Edward Cabrera could end up being a setup guy. He, <laughs> yeah. Or he could be your best right hander, though, in the rotation. Yeah. Like that, that's the other side of it, too. So he could either be your best right hander or he could be, you know, a swingman setup guy. And look, I, I, I think it's become abundantly clear at this point that Ben Brown is just probably not going to start. Yeah. And, you know, Horton's going to be on some sort of, you know, Ennings management still this year. Hendricks is getting older. So having some rotation depth you know, that extends beyond next year, I think is is important. So um, yeah, I kind of like it. All right. That's what we just did. We just traded Morell, Ballesteros, and BJ Murray for Edward Cabrera um, and Tanner Scott. And we just signed Matt Chapman. Other names that like I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do like the trade for a reliever and they hold on to Morell. If they sign Chapman instead of Bellinger, they're saving what hundred million dollars we think i just got an email from my apartment complex by the way false alarm <laughs> if you alarm. if you heard that in the back it was a 20 minute false alarm yeah damn it uh but um if, if you save a hundred mil on bellinger by opting for chapman instead hector naris is asking for 50 million they can go get hector naris too that's exactly so- what i was looking at too i was like hey that makes all the sense in the world uh yeah if they want to pony up but at the same time i understand not wanting to to spend that on a reliever and historically they just haven't really done that over the last couple of years with you know with with Hoyer at the helm if I'm not mistaken I can't think of something really off the top of my head but um I, I think the trade route makes a lot of sense because you they, so. you don't have an opportunity to pick up two big league arms like that and I think for the Marlins yeah they've said they don't want to rebuild totally so it bolsters the farm system yeah. gives them a guy that might be one of the most needed things that they have a right-handed power bat and, and can sell jerseys. Like they just need somebody jerseys. that can sell they jerseys. They need that bad. And, and, you know, him and jazz together would be a lot of fun. And he, he can play all over. Like the Marlins need someone that can play third. Burger's mm. probably not going to stick there. Um, but he could also play left. He could also play center. They can move jazz off. Like I did the versatility here. 
and the lack of true home actually helps because the Marlins can see it through and figure out where where it works best for them and him. For sure. Um, all right, let's tie a bow on this thing with the Atlanta Braves. I, I'm going to ask you to stop me when you feel like you need to interject when you get at the position by position thing, because this is as good of a team on paper as there is in baseball. 2023 payroll, $206 million, projected 24 224 So they're about $15 million shy of the CBT. Transactions so far, they gave Alex Anthopoulos a well-deserved seven-year contract extension. That guy is the gold standard, it seems, right now, along with Friedman, along with Eric Neander. They signed Pierce Johnson to a two-year, $14 million extension with a club option. They signed Joe Jimenez to a three-year, $26 million extension. Um, they had a big thing about paying relievers this offseason. Yeah. They, de- they declined options on Eddie Rosario, Kirby Yates, Colin McHugh, Brad Hand. They exercised a $20 million option on Charlie Morton. They acquired Aaron Bummer for every quad A guy they had. They acquired Jared Kelnick and Cole Phillips for Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. Then they flipped Gonzalez to Pittsburgh for future considerations. They sold Nick Anderson to Kansas City. They traded him for cash considerations. They signed Reynaldo Lopez to a three plus one at $30 million. They traded Evan White, who they acquired in Tyler Thomas to the Angels for Max Stassi and David Fletcher, then flipped Max Stassi for future considerations. They acquired Matt Carpenter and Ray Kerr from San Diego for Drew Campbell. They released Matt Carpenter. Um, They, let's see, uh, traded Kyle Wright for Jackson Coar, and then they flipped Coar for another thing. Uh, They traded Vaughn Grissom for Chris Sale and Cash, and then extended Sale for two years, $38 million. And they signed Louis Guillaume to a one-year, $1 million deal. A lot of people on X, on Twitter, were saying that Alex Anthopoulos was bored and that's why he was doing these things. Major league executives do not trade because they're bored. He did this because he was doing a jigsaw puzzle salary wise and it fucking works. Genius. I don't think we've seen anybody operate like that, like to that degree, taking on bad contracts, but that are movably bad still though. Like you could still kind of move them mixing and matching, um, you know, finding opportunities here and there. You have to have such a, a pulse of the entire league to be able to do that and, and wheel and deal. And that's why Anthopolis is, you know, the best in the biz or, or at least one of looking at, at where they're at, you know, Oh, you're going to walk us through the team and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stop you. But yeah, I mean, I thought Anthopolis cooked even the smaller moves. Guillaume was a great fit for them. Um, yeah. and, and as a utility guy, I mean, getting Fletcher as well yeah. uh, in like an offsetting of, of money that you don't want to pay. Like that's better. It's better than the other deal. So yeah, I, I like, I like what they did. I really like, do. Brother, they made Nikki Lopez good. You're telling me they can't make Fletcher and Louis Guillaume good again. Like, come yeah. on now. Yeah. Um, all right. Farm system, don't care. It's not that good, don't care. Catcher, Sean Murphy and Travis Darno, maybe the best tandem in all of baseball. First base, Matt Olson, he plays 162 games. Awesome. Ozzy Albies and David Fletcher as the second base tandem. Third base is Austin Riley and probably Louis Guillorme or Fletcher. Shortstop, Orlando Arcia and Louis Guillorme. The outfield, Acuna, Mike Harris, Jared Kelnick, and Forrest Wall. The starting rotation... Strider, Freed, Morton, Sale, Bryce Elder, A.J. smith Shaver. I just named six guys. That's disgusting. Disgusting. They'll probably have Waldrop up by the All-Star break in some form or fashion with Dodd, Vines, Enoa, Allen Winans all waiting to make a spot start in August. 
Fuck. Yeah, it's it's nuts. And then don't sleep on Spencer Schwellenbach. I don't know if he gets up this year, but with how yeah. aggressive they are, he does have the stuff to get pushed up quickly. Uh, former two-way guy, really fun on the mound. So I, I think I, there's one thing I see here, just one. I would like a right-handed hitting outfielder. Could be a bench guy. But one, I don't want Kelnick facing lefties like ever. Two, yeah. I do think it's a good insurance policy to Kelnick. Three, Marcelo Zuna can't play the outfield, so you can't really slide him over there and put Darno at DH. Like, I, I don't know if that's even an option. Like, that would be the insurance policy, I guess. But like, I don't know if you could justify putting Ozuna in the outfield. I mean, they they put him out there for two games last year, so I really think it's DH and DH only. So from that lens, you need you need a a right handed bat, I think, to to hedge and also help. Jared Koenig's development. Um, we we already. Well, I'm not doing Hicks twice in the same episode. Yeah, don't do I, it. I look at Randall Grichuk. Sure. I think that's a name that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I, I honestly think that's just as the biggest no brainer for me is, is Randall Grichuk. They like the vets. He's he's not a guy that was like unusably bad. So yeah. where like I think he will actually be good in that platoon type role. And. Again, they, they like those guys that have been there, done that. And, you know, Grichuk's been around for a while. I, not not a bad fit at all, I think, for them. He, he might be looking for an everyday role, but, you know, how about a chance at a World Series? Do you know what Kyle Lewis slashed in AAA last year? Honestly, no, but it couldn't have been that good. Uh, whew, think again. 63 games for Kyle Lewis. He slashed 371, 457, 641. He had a 1098 OPS. With 17 know? homers and 80 driven in in 63 games. Holy crap. I did not know that. I did not know that. I want to sign Kyle Lewis instead of Randall Gritchick. Oh, my God. Lewis and Kelnick again. I am so in. So in. Turn him into the Seattle Braves. But I'm cool with Gritchick. Uh The Gritchuk bullpen. Against lefties this past season, 155 WRC+. plus. There we against go. righties, 79. Sign Gritchick to a one-year deal. Bullpen, Rysel Iglesias, Minter, Lopez, who they just acquired. Jimenez, Pierce Johnson, Matzik, Bummer, Raker, Dylan Lee. Shout out Charlie Culberson, who's trying to make his bounce back as a reliever too, which is fun. If you sign Randall Gritchick, I think this is a perfect baseball team. Yeah, it's just about. And and also, don't sleep on Ray Kerr. That was another one where people were like, oh, they're making a trade just to make a trade. No, they got a lefty reliever that throws up to 100 with options. They wanted options. They wanted to be able to, to, to be flexible. Look out for Ray Kerr. If he can just command his stuff a little bit, he could be he could be a problem. Uh, one more question so we don't just go three minutes on the Braves. Bryce Elder is going to get the fifth start of the season for the Braves because of what he did last year. Like, hey, he was an all-star at the big league level last year, and A.J. Smith-Shawver was a tweener. On June 10th, if it is the five spot in the rotation's turn to start a game, do you think it's Bryce Elder or do you think it's A.J. Smith-Shawver? June 10th. That gives him how many starts? That would give him... We're two and a half months into the season at that point. About 14 starts. Yeah, I'm going to go A.J. Smith-Shaver. Bryce Elder, dude, over his last, what was it? He was not good over his last 15. He wasn't good over really his last 10. Basically the second half of the season. The second half of the season, especially against his sinker, opponents hit, which is the pitch that he 
thrives off of. That's 36% yeah. usage. Opponents at 319, 425, 542. Yep. Um, 15% walk rate, 14% K rate offense. I know that's not a strikeout pitch, but like, yeah, come on. Only a 46% ground ball rate too. Like I'm worried that the league adjusted and figured out Elder to a degree. I love him as like a, you know, plug and play guy, but AJ Smith Shaver has the number three upside, you know, like maybe even a little bit more than that. People forget how young he is because they fast tracked him so hard. I, I think Smith Shaver takes over and he gives them a lot more upside in that rotation. I love it. That was the Atlanta Braves. It was also the Cubs, the White Sox, uh, the IFA names, Yariel Rodriguez and, uh, Josh Hader, a loaded Friday episode. Spread it out over the course of the weekend if you need to. Don't think you need to. Um, every link you need is in the episode description. Go get your Just Baseball merch. Uh, support the pod any way you can. The the uh, what are, I'm blanking on the word. Why am I blanking on the word? It's 6.20 p.m. Rate and review. Yeah, leave yes. reviews. Reviews. Um, Don't the underestimate reviews. the good old word of mouth. Right. Share the show, please. The the power of reviews is huge, either on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Spotify is so easy. It's like you just click I, a number. I, I always tell people that the power of telling your friends, too. Really yeah, helps. huge. Power of friendship. So I appreciate you. I love it. Uh, All right. Really, seriously. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Bye.